welcome to Bethesda Broadcast, the podcast of Bethesda Church in Huron, South Dakota. We are in a series from Matthew 5 called The Life God Blesses. Today, we will be looking at Matthew chapter 5, verse 10, where it says, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Today, Pastor Roy will be looking at what the Bible says about persecution. We encourage you to open up your Bibles and follow along with Pastor Roy. This morning we're continuing our series, uh, The Peacemaker and the Persecuted. If you turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5, if you want to go ahead and queue up that uh, video, Bill, uh, I'm going to start off with a video this morning. It's about a two and a half minute video that was actually uh, first aired on February 1st, 2013, so it's about two years old. Many of you will remember the name Pastor Saeed Abedini. Uh, He was taken to a prison in Iran in uh, 2012. He has been in prison since that time. The reason he is in prison is for his Christian faith. Uh, The title of this is In Chains for Christ, and he read a letter on this video. You'll hear his voice uh, that he wrote um, uh, back on February 1st, uh, 2013. So if we have that video, let's go ahead and roll that video at this time. When I heard that empty Christmas settings were placed during Christmas as a reminder of my imprisonment and those imprisoned for Christ, tears of joy filled my eyes. I was able to share about this with other prisoners and they were shocked by the love and support we have for each other in Jesus. I told them how in the Bible we are all considered brothers and sisters, despite race, color, or nationality, and we are able to share in each other's pains. This comes from our Lord. The Word of God says that when we are persecuted for our faith, we are to count it all joy. When I think that all of these trials and persecutions are being recorded in heaven for me, my heart is filled with complete joy. The Bible says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Without the joy of the Lord, we cannot live. It is this joy in our life that gives us strength to continue in this life. Without strength, we cannot continue the work of the Lord, and without joy, there is no strength. I always wanted God to make me a godly man. I did not realize that in order to become a godly man, we need to become like steel under pressure. It is a hard process of warm and cold to make steel. This is the process in my life today. One day I am told I will be freed and allowed to see my family and kids on Christmas, which was a lie. 
and the next day I am told I will hang for my faith in Jesus. One day there are intense pains after beatings and interrogations. The next day they are nice to you and offer you candy. These hot and cold days only make you a man of steel for moving forward and expanding his kingdom. I am looking forward to the day I can see all of you who are behind me with your prayers and to embrace you in my arms. Thank you for the love you have shown me. What is in us is stronger than what is in the world, and it has conquered the world. Pastor Saeed Abendini, in chains for our Lord Jesus Christ. The ACLJ is urging the State Department, members of Congress, and It's a reminder that we have people, Christian brothers and sisters, that are facing incredible persecution today. Pastor Saeed's home is Boise, Idaho. Uh, he's from our own country. The first Thursday of February each year, there's a national prayer breakfast in Washington, D.C. It is attended by members of the U.S. Congress, the U.S. Cabinet, others of the diplomatic corps in Washington, as well as members of the European Parliament, United Nations, diplomats, Asian, African, and Latin American politicians, missionaries, U.S. and foreign business leaders, and students. On February 5th this year, 2015, President Obama shared that he received an extraordinary letter from Pastor Abedini, who you just saw in the video. And in it, he describes his captivity and expressed his gratitude for the president's visit with his family and thanked everyone in standing in solidarity with him during his captivity. And then he read an excerpt from the letter that Pastor Abedini sent the president. And here's what he said. Nothing is more valuable to the body of Christ than to see how the Lord is in control and moves ahead of countries and leadership through united prayer. And he closed his letter by describing himself as a prisoner for Christ, who is proud to be part of this great nation, the United States of America, that cares for religious freedoms across the world. It's a reminder that persecution is real. During the years of the martyrs, Christians fled in the underground caverns outside Rome, which contain almost 600 miles of mole-like tunnels. Ten generations of Christians were buried in the catacombs during approximately 300 years of suppression. No one knows the exact number, but archaeologists estimate between 1.7 million and four million Christians were entoured in those dark tunnels. And so as we look at this whole idea of persecution today, I want us to think about three things about persecution that I hope will be an encouragement to us on a very heavy topic and yet be an encouragement to us. The first one is this, enduring persecution is a badge of honor for the believer. When you and I endure persecution for the name of Jesus Christ, it is an honor to do so. Because God has blessed us to put us in a position. 
Notice what it says in our text in Matthew 5.10. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So he's telling us the reason we are blessed is because it is a badge of honor. Even when a police officer dons a badge, he does so very proudly and honorably for what he is wearing the badge for and what the badge represents. We as believers will wear the badge of persecution in a state of honor that we are honored to be able to suffer for the name of Jesus Christ. It doesn't sound right, does it? It sounds backward that blessing and persecution go together, but they actually do. Why is it true? Why is enduring persecution a badge of honor for the believer? Let me give you three reasons why a badge of honor, it is a badge of honor to be persecuted Number one, because by enduring persecution, we are promoting the character of Christ. When you and I go through persecution, we are promoting the character of Christ because it is against the grain of culture to be able to go through persecution with joy. And there's a, pers- there's a great joy in promoting the character of Christ. Notice what he says here. Acts 5, 40 and 41 His speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in, had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin doing what? Rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. They were counted worthy. It was a badge of honor to suffer for Jesus Christ. Why? Because the name of Jesus was being promoted. That's why. That's why. And why does Abedini have joy in his heart in a prison in Iran? The only reason could be is that Christ is being promoted through his suffering. In fact, they have said now that he has led dozens of people to the Lord in prison. What a wonderful thing that is. Another verse, Philippians 1.29, Paul tells the Philippians, for it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him. Granted means it is a privilege, it is a badge of honor to suffer for the name of Jesus Christ. It is a gift. Paul told the People in Acts in 21, 13, Paul answered, Why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I am, not, I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. He said, I'm not ready just to be beaten. I'm ready to die. Talk about a theology of suffering and a theology of persecution. This is what the church needs to adopt today. What is our theology of suffering? What is our theology of persecution? Because persecution is coming, I believe, to this country very soon. It's already here. If you have watched the news and paid attention to the news, you will see persecution of Christians constantly. We've seen it over in Iraq, in Syria, but also here in our own country. Chief Justice Roy Moore from Alabama 
He was removed from office in November of 2003 for defying a federal judge's order to move a Ten Commandments, Ten Commandments monument from the state Supreme Court building. He refused and he was removed from office. That is persecution for the cause of Christ. It was a two and a half ton granite carving and it was ruled an unconstitutional endorsement of religion. And he would not remove it. And so they removed him. Moore, however, was elected again back into office. And in recent days, you have seen him take a stand for his state of Alabama to not recognize same-sex marriage. And again, he is under attack because he's trying to uphold the biblical standard. What is he doing by that persecution? He is promoting the cause of Christ. And we need to applaud that. We need to write him and thank him. We need to pray for him. We need to pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ who are going through such persecution. Another reason it's a badge of honor for the believer, because by enduring persecution, the believer participates in the sufferings of Christ. You and I actually participate in the sufferings of Christ. We identify with the sufferings of Christ when I go through persecution, when you go through persecution. We are identifying with the sufferings of Christ. Paul says in first, or I mean Peter says in 1 Peter 4.13, but rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Polycarp was one of the early, in the early church, the bishop of Smyrna. Here's what he said right before he was burned at the stake. Eighty and six years have I served him, and he never did me any injury. How then can I blaspheme my king and my savior? And with that, he went to the stake and was burned at the stake. He gave his life for the Lord Jesus Christ. In Philippians 3.10, Paul says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. If you and I want to grow in intimacy with Jesus Christ, the most intimate relationship I believe we will ever have is when we go through persecution and we promote the cause of Christ, we become more intimate because we become like him in his death. This is not popular preaching, but it's biblical. And that's the way God expects us to live. The third reason it is a badge of honor to endure persecution as a believer is because the spirit of glory rests on the one who endures persecution. The spirit of glory actually rests on me and rests on you. Here's what the scripture says. In 1 Peter 4.14, if you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. So if somebody belittles you and makes fun of you and what you are doing for the cause of Christ, the spirit of glory is on you. Christ in us is a hope of glory. Now I remember when I was 20 years of age, I had a job in a bakery. And I worked around a lot of pagan people who were a lot older than I was. But I carried my lunch in a lunch pail every day in my protein shake. <laughs> I was a lot thinner than I could drink a lot of milkshakes then. I don't drink as many now. 
They stick to me. But anyhow, I took my luncheon uh, one day, and I, and I opened it up, and, and I always bowed my head and prayed over the meal before I would eat that meal. And there were other guys in there, and, and I, as I prayed over that meal, I looked up, and this guy was looking right at me. <laughs> and he said, uh, what's for lunch? I said, peanut butter. He said, I'll bet you were praying for ham, weren't you? <laughs> but the point is, he noticed. It, it, it makes a difference. When we take a stand for Jesus Christ, people notice. Let me ask you something, young people. What about peer pressure? You see, in our day, the chances, at least right now, of being chained up is probably not real great. But let me ask you about the persecution, young people, of peer pressure. How do you respond to a dirty joke? How do you respond to when your friend uses profanity? How do you respond when your friend looks at pornography? Are you going to take a stand for Christ and suffer persecution? Or are you going to join in? See, the persecution of a Christian is to take a stand to promote the cause of Christ. And when you and I don't engage in that behavior, I don't tell dirty jokes, I don't engage in profanity, I don't look at pornography. When I do that, you know, I'm not just not doing those things. Those, that's good not to do that, but that's not the reason I do it. Not do it. The reason I don't do it is I want Jesus to be magnified, right? I want Jesus to be glorified. I want God to be exalted in my life. And that is the key. That's why the disciples walked out of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer for the name of Christ. When you and I don't engage in those things, we are magnifying Jesus and the cause of Christ is glorified. And I can't think of a greater reason. So rather than bowing to peer pressure, think about how am I promoting the cause of Christ by what I'm doing or not doing? Am I promoting the cause of Christ? That is the key. Are we as a church promoting the cause of Christ? That is what matters. Reminds me of the guy that was, he was, um, after listening to a sermon for a couple of weeks in Psalm 51 and 52 about lies and deceit, he wrote a following letter to the IRS. He said, I've been unable to sleep knowing I have cheated on my income tax. I understated my taxable income and have enclosed a check for $150. Sincerely, and he signed his name. He said, if I still can't sleep, I will send you the rest. <laughs> now, was he concerned about promoting the cause of Christ or being caught? Are we concerned about being caught doing something wrong or are we concerned about promoting the cause of Christ? See, in peer pressure, there's a desire to fit in, desire to be accepted, to be loved. However, you do not need to compromise biblical convictions to fit in. That's why there's the family 
of God to help you and to help me. Enduring persecution is a badge of honor for the believer. Let's go on to the second one. Enduring persecution is a powerful witness to the gospel. It is a powerful witness to the gospel. I think about Stephen's life and testimony in Acts. Stephen, along with six other men, was put into ministry. And their main ministry was to care for the widows in the church. Stephen was listed as a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. These seven men were prayed over by apostles and released to do God's work. And it says in Acts 6-7, the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. And it talks about Stephen doing great wonders and miraculous signs among the people. And then in Acts 6-9, it says this, Opposition arose, however, from members of the synagogue. They were Jews. These men began to argue with Stephen, but they could not stand up against his wisdom or the spirit by whom he spoke. And then it goes on to say that they produced false witnesses who testified against Stephen. It reminds me of a young lady that spoke to me one time about having trouble at work. She said, I, I go into work and I, I, my coworker is constantly, constantly causing me grief. <laughs> there was a source of persecution with her coworker. And she says, I don't know how to get along with her. She said, I have changed days off with her. I have changed my schedule. I have changed my hours. I have done everything that I can think of to try to work with her. And she still doesn't accept me. And there was this conflict at work. And here's what I said to her. I said, here's what I challenge you to do. And I took her to the book of Daniel. And I said, what did Daniel do? He spoke with wisdom and tact. I said, I would go back to her and I would pray about your spirit and how you communicate this. But I said, I would go back to her and share with her what you just shared with me. You just shared with me all these different things you have done to try to be reconciled in this relationship and be at peace in this relationship. So I would go back with her and share. You've changed your days off. You've changed your hours. You've done this. And then at the end, say this. I'm not sure what else I can do to help our relationship improve. Um, what do you think I could do to help our relationship improve? And you ask her what you can do, and it needs to be a reasonable request, not, you know, give me $100,000, you know, it needs to be a reasonable request. What can I do to improve our relationship? And you put the burden back on yourself. And you know she did that. And I told her, I said, if that doesn't work after that, then you and that individual and the boss need to sit down and you need to share how you've met with her. But anyhow, it cleared up. It cleared up. So her life and testimony honored the Lord and God was able to use it in a great way because of the way she responded. Stephen, they had false witnesses who testified against him. And then in Acts 7.1, it says the high priest asked him, Are these charges true? They asked Stephen. 
Stephen launches into his defense of the charges. He goes through the history of God calling Abraham, promising him a child. He talks about the Israelites going into slavery and being under Egyptian bondage for 400 years. He talks about Isaac and Jacob and the 12 patriarchs. He recounts the lives of Joseph and Moses. He talks about the Israelites wandering in the wilderness and building the golden calf. And then he calls the people stiff-necked people. And I'm like, this is not the way to win friends and influence people. You stiff-necked people, he said, with uncircumcised hearts and ears, you are just like your fathers. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your fathers did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one, and now you have betrayed and murdered him. You have received the law that put into, was put into effect through angels, but have not obeyed it. How did Stephen's audience respond to that message? Well, the Bible says in Acts 7.54, When they heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. They were angry. And then it goes on to say, in Acts 7, 55 to 58, Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven, saw the glory of God, Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open, the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And at this, they covered their ears, and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city, and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. Why did they do that? What is the motive for persecution of Christians? To silence us. Why is Judge Moore facing what he's facing in Alabama? To silence his voice. To tell him his voice doesn't count. What is the culture trying to do to the church at large today? It is trying to marginalize Christianity. To say our voice doesn't count. And that's exactly what they're trying to do. Stephen pointed out their sin which brought conviction. And the goal was to silence him. Goes on to say in 59 and 60, while they were stoning Stephen... He prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he said this, he fell asleep. Can you imagine for a moment being a persecutor and watching somebody like that die? That would be forever imprinted in your memory that this man was promoting God and Jesus Christ in his death. What a powerful testimony to the gospel. What was the result of Stephen's testimony? Well, we have to look at the next chapter in Acts 8, and let me show it to you. The result of Stephen's powerful witness to the gospel, one person who gave his life for the gospel. Saul was there giving approval to his death, on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem. 
and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him, but Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off men and women and put them in prison. Those who had been scattered, here it is, preached the word wherever they went. Great persecution broke out against the church. Did the church fold up and die? No, the church actually grew. Here's what you will not hear in church growth seminars. There's church growth seminars happening all over, the, all, over all the time. Here's how you grow your church. Here's how you grow your church. I have yet to hear a church growth strategy saying persecution of Christians is how you grow the church. <laughs> you don't hear that. But that's God's method. And that's the biblical method. And why do we see persecution in the church? To scatter God's people and to promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why do I think persecution is coming to America? Because America needs to grow the church. And how is God going to do it? He's going to persecute, allow persecution to come to the church. Now, do you still want to sign up for Christianity? Do you still want to be a soldier of the cross? Do I want to be a soldier of the cross? I think about Daniel who was thrown into a lion's den to silence his voice. Jeremiah was lowered into a pit of mud to silence his voice. George Swinnick said this, A sanctified person is like a silver bell. The harder he is smitten, the better he sounds. Let me say that again. A sanctified person is like a silver bell. The harder he is smitten, the better he sounds. I think about the cause of Christ. We also see another example in Paul, his witness in prison. In Philippians 1.12, we know that he had been gone through beatings, Stonings, five times he had received 40 lashes save one, 39 stripes. He'd been left for dead. He'd been put in several different prison experiences. And how did Paul, what was Paul's reaction to that? Right here. Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. powerful. Paul's saying all the beatings, all the stonings, everything I've been through has been a reason to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why am I going through what I'm going through? Is God trying to just give me a hard time? Is he trying to punish the church? No. He's trying to promote the gospel. Why will persecution come? For the promotion of the gospel. That's why. That's why we need to take a stand for Jesus and honor the Lord. He goes on to say in verse 13 and 14, as a result, here's what has happened. It has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. You think it would do the opposite but it didn't. For the genuine believer, he cannot keep silent. 
He can't. There's too much at stake. Paul's response to his persecution, his brother's response to persecution, is they were encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously. Let me just quickly summarize for you the 12 disciples. Do you remember how they died? The 12 disciples? Matthew suffered martyrdom by being slain with a sword at a distant city of Ethiopia. Mark expired at Alexandria after being cruelly dragged through the streets of that city. Luke was hanged upon an olive tree in the classic land of Greece. John was put in a cauldron of boiling oil, escaped death in a miraculous manner, and was afterwards banished to Patmos. Peter was crucified at Rome with his head downward. James the Greater was beheaded at Jerusalem. James the Less was thrown from a lofty pinnacle of the temple and then beaten to death with a fuller's club. Bartholomew was flayed alive. Andrew was bound to a cross whence he preached to his persecutors until he died. Thomas was run through the body with a lance. Jude was shot to death with arrows. Matthias was first stoned and then beheaded. Barnabas of the Gentiles was stoned to death at Salonica. Paul, after various tortures and persecutions, was at length beheaded at Rome by the Emperor Nero. Sounds like an interesting ending, doesn't it? Because enduring persecution is a powerful witness to the gospel. Let me give you one additional one. Enduring persecution is only possible with an eternal mindset. If we are only living for the here and now and that's all I'm concerned about, I will not endure persecution. But if I have a long-term view that I am living in light of eternity, I will endure persecution. And so will you. Hebrews 12 Two, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. What did Jesus do to endure persecution? The joy set before him, the long-term view in eternity. He endured the cross. The persecution. You will, young people, will endure the persecution of your friends who want to belittle your Christianity when you take a long term view. Yeah, you're in eighth grade now, you're a sophomore, you're a junior, you're a senior, but one of these days you're going to be 60. <laughs> I know it's hard to believe, doesn't seem like it. Because <laughs> I remember when I was 10, I thought 19 was old. <laughs> and I learned it's not old. Uh, but the day is coming. We've got to look way beyond where we are to what God wants us to become in the church. And I really believe that persecution is coming to the church and we are going to have to have a theology of persecution. Hebrews 11:13 says this, 
All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive things promised. They only saw them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. They admitted they didn't fit. Why does the world get so persecuted and upset of Christians? Because we don't fit. We don't belong in this world. One commentator said, when we are ready to die, we are best prepared to live. I'm going to close with this story. In the days of the Roman Emperor Nero, there lived and served him a band of soldiers known as the Emperor's Wrestlers. Fine stalwart men they were, picked from the best and the bravest of the land, recruited from the great athletes of the Roman amphitheater. In the great amphitheater, they upheld the arms of the Emperor against all challengers. Before each contest, they stood before the Emperor's throne. Then through the courts of Rome rang the cry, we, the wrestlers, wrestling for thee, O Emperor, to win for thee the victory, and from thee the victor's crown. When the great Roman army was sent to fight in faraway Gaul, no soldiers were braver or more loyal than this band of wrestlers, led by the centurion Vespasian. But news reached Nero that many Roman soldiers had accepted the Christian faith. Therefore, this decree was dispatched to the centurion Vespasian. If there be any among your soldiers who cling to the faith of the Christian, they must die. The decree was received in the dead of winter. The soldiers were camped on the shore of a frozen inland lake. It was with sinking heart that Vespasian, the centurion, read the emperor's message. Vespasian called the soldiers together and he asked the question, Are there any among you who cling to the faith of the Christian? If so, let him step forward. Forty wrestlers instantly stepped forward two paces, respectfully saluted and stood at attention. Vespasian paused. He had not expected so many nor such select ones. Until sundown, he says, I shall await your answer, said Vespasian. Sundown came and the question was asked. Again, the 40 wrestlers stepped forward. Vespasian pleaded with them long and earnestly without prevailing upon a single man to deny his Lord. Finally, he said, the decree of the emperor must be obeyed. But I am not willing that your comrades should shed your blood. I am going to order that you march out upon the lake of ice, and I shall leave you there to the mercy of the elements. The 40 wrestlers were stripped, and then falling into columns of four, they marched toward the center of the lake of ice. As they marched, they broke into the chant of the arena, Forty wrestlers wrestling for thee, O Christ, to win for thee the victory, and from thee the victor's crown. Through the long hours of the night, Vespasian stood by his campfire and watched. As he waited through the long night, there came to him fainter and fainter 
the wrestler's song. As morning drew near, one figure, overcome by exposure, crept quietly toward the fire. In the extremity of his suffering, he had renounced his Lord. Faintly but clearly, from the darkness came the song, Thirty-nine wrestlers, wrestling for thee, O Christ, to win for thee the victory, and from thee the victory's crown. Vespasian looked at the figure drawing close to the fire. Perhaps he saw eternal light shining there toward the center of the lake. Who can say? But off came his helmet and clothing. And he sprang upon the ice crying, Forty wrestlers wrestling for thee, O Christ, to win for thee the victory and from thee the victor's crown. Let's stand for a word of prayer. I would ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. This is a heavy topic, there's no doubt about it. And there's no real way to hardly sugarcoat the message except to present it. I know it's not popular, but God doesn't call me to be popular. He calls me to share the truth. And I trust that it would not be a discouragement to you, but an encouragement the idea of facing persecution because we need to face it as a badge of honor for the believer that we are promoting the character of Christ and when we endure persecution we participate in the sufferings of Christ and the spirit of glory rests on us what an encouragement it is and when we endure persecution we're a powerful witness to the gospel let me just pause young people where are you at today where are you at with peer pressure are you bowing to peer pressure is that your persecution is that your cross Do you want to do what's popular you want to do what everybody else does you want to watch the same movies you want to listen to the same jokes you want to use the same language Maybe the persecution for you is to take a stand for Jesus Christ and say, no, I will not participate in that. And that would be your cross. What is it for the older person? Maybe to say, well, you know, when I'm out with the guys and they want to have a drink or whatever the case might be. What is the persecution that we have to face. I know business people have to face that. It's like, well, everybody else is having a drink. If I don't, I'm going to look like the odd man out. Well, guess what? Take a stand for Christ. Endure the persecution to promote Jesus Christ. You see, the important thing is, is not that we don't do it, it's the motive behind it that I promote the cause of Christ. I think about Stephen, who was willing to be stoned. I can't imagine what his persecutors must have seen engraved in their minds after that. They were probably awakened at various nights of the week, thinking about the man that had the face of an angel. 
promoting the cause of Christ. If you are here this morning and maybe the reason you haven't accepted Jesus Christ because you in your pride, you don't think you can accept Christ because that shows weakness. Can I tell you it's the opposite? To be a true man, a true man bows to Christ. A true woman bows to Christ. Because the truth of the matter is, the day is coming when every knee will bow, the scripture says. Every knee will bow. That means Adolf Hitler. That means Benito Mussolini. Every knee will bow to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The only question is, when? Will it be now or when it's too late? I would encourage you, if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, would you invite him into your life today? Make him your Savior and Lord? If you have questions, I'd be glad to talk with you as I shake hands at the back. Please speak to myself or someone about your soul. Let's bow for a word of prayer. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy, dot org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.